1: Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. In this episode, I'm out walking in Hyde Park with Ella Mills, an entrepreneur, author and the co-founder of the well-loved wellness brand, Deliciously Ella. After being diagnosed with a chronic autonomic illness, Ella turned to reviewing her diet to soothe her discomfort. The changes Ella made had a positive impact on how Ella felt, which led her to share recipes on her blog. Over the last 13 years, the Deliciously Ella blog has evolved into six cookbooks and a fully-fledged brand which has an app, a plant-based food range, and a restaurant. Ella places a high priority on understanding and promoting wellness, something you'll be familiar with if you're a listener of her podcast, Wellness Unpacked. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but I just want to say a huge thank you very quickly to everyone that bought a copy of A Better Day over the winter period. It went to number one. Amazon of all books which kind of blows my mind for a non-fiction children's wellness book and I think it really shows to be honest how much people care about this topic how much they want to support young people and give them the tools you know give them the knowledge and the power to look after their own health so a huge thank you and if you haven't got a copy of A Better Day it's available now thank you Hello, welcome to the Stompcast.
2: Thank you for having me. This Thank is you so the much. the nicest way to spend the middle of a working day.
1: Yeah, well, you come out of your HQ, your offices aren't far away, so we've got you out of, uh, out of work mode for an hour for a leisurely wander.
2: It's amazing. It's not I a bad start to the take year, is take this up every day.
1: It's a good start to you. Well, I'll say Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to all the listeners as well. We're recording this just after New Year's and we're into 2023, which actually kind of blows my mind. I don't understand. My brain is kind of in 2018, I think. (laughs) I don't know how it's 2023 and how you feel.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same, actually. And it's that moment where you think, gosh, I'm really getting older. Um, Yes, I I think the last few years as well, they feel quite blurry, don't they? With like the pace of change that's happened. And in the kind of whole world and Brexit and COVID and lockdowns and war and everything, it's sort of everything has become a bit of a jumble, Mm. I think, for a lot of us. Mm.
1: I think a lot of people feel like it's been, and I I get that sense as well, especially with everything going on in the news. It's like one thing after the other at the moment. I'm I'm always naturally a very positive person, but I think uh, sometimes you've got to reflect that we've actually been through quite a lot, haven't we, in the last few years. Obviously, the obvious big one's COVID, but it does feel like we're all kind of trudging through a little bit. Especially in January, you feel it more, I think.
2: 100%. I think we, my husband and I, when we were reflecting on the last, yeah, few years, and we had two little girls during that time as well, Mm. so we've been through the newborn phase twice, which certainly has a different level of intensity and trying to navigate a business through it as well. Slightly felt like we kind of had been in a tunnel for a while and, like, this year, really wanting to try and come out of that and find... As you said, I'm a very naturally optimistic person as well, but Mm. with just like the consistent intensity Mm. of the world, it's quite easy to get a bit down on things, isn't it?
1: And this time of year year as well, and it's a time of year that I think people find quite difficult for all, all sorts of reasons. I mean, we talk about Blue Monday as the time that people often feel the lowest, and Blue Monday kind of explains... Uh, itself in many ways, and I think when you've had a difficult couple of years and you're coming into the new year, often there's a lot of expectation. I think that we have to like go into the new year, you know, charge at it. New year, new me, which we're going to talk about. I know you have a, a strong opinion on that, as do I, but I, I think there's so much pressure on ourselves, isn't there? Do, do you feel that going into January, or are you a bit more forgiving on yourself?
2: I don't feel on, on a personal level because hmm. I think I've done a lot of work on my own mental health Mm. and my own self-esteem over the last few years to try and just remove that pressure. Generally speaking, I think I became particularly conscious of it, actually, with two young girls that I Mm. don't want to project any of that onto them, Mm -hmm. even in a subconscious way. Um, But I'm so aware of it in terms of the kind of wider messaging and, you know, the number of emails I've got from goodness knows how many brands telling me to make all these changes and telling me it's time for a fresh slate and I think you know I am really passionate about actively looking after ourselves and I think Mm. there's this interesting point between saying be so compassionate on yourself which we desperately need to be Mm. but equally for our mental health for our physical health Mm. we also do need those little tools whether that's making a healthy meal or going for a walk like this or doing some deep breathing to look after ourselves that won't happen by itself so it's this delicate balance but i think it's just this pressure of changing everything at once of you know you needing to be a fundamentally new person and i think actually so much of it it's incredibly superficial it's so often actually it's kind of pitched as oh it's good for you and it's nourishing for your soul but it's not really it's actually fundamentally about how you look and i was going to say it's, you've very, got it's, and it's usually very get aesthetically driven. in 28 days it's often
1: aesthetic goals isn't it rather than Exactly. it feels like that's what the the driver is and a lot of the industry feeds off the fact that people i mean you talk about i mean i would actually would i'd love you to share some of the the kind of research i mean I, I was looking at your post um before this actually and it didn't surprise me but not in the way that it isn't shocking but it's stuff i'm like do you know what? I, i'm not i wasn't surprised to see how many people have like say resolutions and by the end of january they've dropped it mm. because i think so much of it's driven of what people think they're expected to do. They have like unrealistic expectations are often like, right, I need to get shredded in 12 weeks or something like that. And then when they realise it's neither attainable or particularly healthy, which is often it's coined as, then they drop it. So, so kind of why, why did you feel that you wanted to talk about that? now i mean obviously it's january it's the new year yeah, of but course. why 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 did you want to kind of talk about that in your post
2: well i guess there's a there's a few facets to that and i, I totally resonate with everything you're saying and i think a lot of that is part of the reason it doesn't stick is i don't think we're necessarily making those changes for the right reasons mm, like yeah. you know i was quite slack on exercising last year and exercise i know for me makes me a better mum that's the one thing it does most particularly because it makes me calmer it makes me more patient and it gives me a lot more energy to give to my kids And that's a really good motivation for me to exercise, because I know it makes me more patient with toddler tantrums. If I want to exercise to get a six pack, that motivation, I'm not sure it would last an hour for me, but it's certainly, you know, that's not long term, is it? And then what happens when you get the six pack? Like, where's the motivation? So I think so often we're making these big resolutions for really superficial reasons that actually don't really matter that much to to most of us, certainly not enough to keep doing it. But I think, you know, we did this YouGov piece of research because it's just an area I'm so passionate about. I think, you know, the wellness industry is estimated to be kind of between four and four point five billion dollars in terms of size. And I just think a lot of it, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously, is headed in quite a negative direction. All about the superficial and all about these expensive or complicated or time consuming Habits that no one really has the feasibility to do, and it's all about quick fixes. And you need to buy this super powder or this like algae or whatever it is, as opposed to eat more carrots, cook with a few beans, like go for a walk, you know, spend some time with some friends, switch off your phone. These really simple things that are actually achievable in a busy life
1: and largely free.
2: And largely free, or you, you know, or or very cheap, you know, like buying lentils. You know, that's that's not a ninety-pound supplement. And, you know, I think we have to have this shift. And I was just very interested to understand, you know, was I alone in this thinking? And I think the three things that really stood out for me was only 6% of people who start January resolutions, keep them up throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you knew it, it was going to be low, but 6%. So I and think even when if you look at thinking, gyms
1: and stuff, the number of people who join a gym membership and still going even four weeks after yeah. joining is is very low and I, it's not about and it's not saying as And i think some people might struggle. Like, oh people are lazy they don't people aren't lazy It's not the reason they don't want to go to the gym it's because the reason for going to the gym probably isn't one that will keep them past that initial motivation phase and i think we should talk about like developing habits because people often talk about like in at this time which i think is fine new year new me i don't like reflecting and thinking about you know, looking at your health as an overall, taking the bits that you're happy with and building upon them, or considering things that maybe are habits that aren't as helpful, making small but achievable changes is great. But in terms of like things like extrinsic versus intrinsic, you know, that I think that's the big part of you know what what you kind of have to do as an individual is step back and look at like where is the driver coming from this, and what are the messages that have been put on my Instagram or in advertising? Are those telling me to do this for reasons that maybe I won't stick to
2: exactly and I think to your point there, wanting to make habit changes is not a bad thing and you know whatever those are but I think it's just making sure to your point that they're really individual and they're really helping you get the most from your life you know I just feel so passionately that wellness is really important like we know we have collective challenges and obviously this is what you talk about so brilliantly with our mental health and also our physical health But that's never going to change if we keep looking at making changes from kind of not being enough and berating ourselves and thinking we're not good enough as opposed to thinking right you know what i want more energy or i want to sleep better or i feel consistently run down and burnt out so these are the sorts of habits that i could genuinely bring into my life i could wake up 15 minutes earlier and i could do 10 minutes of breathing because i really struggle to manage my stress or You know, I could try and go for a lunchtime walk every day because I really struggle with that afternoon slump. You know, could you batch cook on the weekends? Like, these are things that people can actually do. Um, And to your point earlier, they're largely free or relatively inexpensive. And I think we just, you know, and you're, you know, absolutely intrinsic to the kind of wellness world and conversation, and I'm sure you see this every single day, which is that I just, I feel like we're so media headlines and clickbait and, you know, TikTok algorithms favor things that are snazzy you know that are kind of weird and wonderful and get you talking well exactly and and i i understand that like you know there's that that does tend to kind of draw more attention and conversation but i think the problem with it is that well-being has now become inherently connected to things that really aren't plausible to be part of people's everyday. or it's that kind of idea of letting perfect be the enemy of good you know I don't have capacity in my day to do a hit workout and walk 10,000 steps and meditate for 20 minutes and, and eat my 10 a day case, yeah, yeah and have a job and have a family or look after an elderly relative or you know whatever it is it's like you know everyone's only got so much time and so I think sometimes we're like oh we can't do anything because we can't do it all perfectly
1: yeah I've listened to you on podcasts over the years. A lot of the time, oddly, whenever I'm driving back to Wales, I feel like clearly like a wholesome uh, podcast. And 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 I've heard you talk in the past about... Because, I mean, you've been been doing this for quite a long time. Not to say that you're old at all, but you have been... You've been in the conversation around, I think, well-being for a really significant amount of time. You have the beauty, I think, of overview of seeing that kind of industry and change. But what I do like is that you are... You're very self-reflective, and I think you're very aware of also how we learn as individuals. I mean, you know, very much moving away from clean eating, for example, talking about uh, food, I guess, with less judgment. And I think that is amazing because it's showing an honesty. And I think sometimes I feel, and I think sometimes people's frustration which a lot of people are waking up to now is that the well-being industry a lot of the time it's like do this but off camera I don't do that or it's it, you feel like it, there's not as much genuineness to it all like let's be honest most people like a bit of chocolate or a treat or you don't eat perfectly every day and I feel like a lot of the stuff you see in January is like right come on follow this plan and you're going to look like this and in reality does that person who's telling you to do it actually even do that?
2: But I think the question is, you know, I think everyone's so different and I I, I really passionately don't believe in a one size fits Mm. all. I think there are kind of general um, pieces of advice and ways of living that suit most of us, you know, eating more fresh food, Mm. cooking more at home, moving your body more, finding ways to manage your stress. That's that's relatively universal, isn't it? Yeah. But exactly what it looks like for Mm. you probably going to look really different from me as the next person the next person but also in different chapters of our lives and i think that's something you know i'm i'm really conscious in the world we live in it's very easy to be cancelled and berated and i've certainly had my fair share of kind of she's the devil or the best ever, like she's the same as about Donald an Trump. you
1: just like, oh my gosh, one minute you're the yeah. one minute you're like, got it the, all you're right, yeah. one minute you're the dabble. The devil. And you're like, oh. no, actually, you're the same person all along. And exactly. And we oh gosh,
2: it? we all make so many oh mistakes. God, yeah. And you know, I came at this from such a personal journey. And you know, I was in my early 20s when I started Delicious Siela. Mm. And it suddenly took off, and you know, people were saying she's the queen of green. You know, she's a guru. And I was like, I'm 22. <laughs> you know, I barely know what You're my name yourself, is. Like, you I, you know, you don't know anything about yourself. And it's this, yeah, it's been a very, very interesting experience. But I think what I feel so passionate about is the fact that there isn't one size fits all, and this this idea that we've got to emulate someone else as opposed to be inspired by or take ideas from or You know, actually I could try that, but not feeling like you've got to, that life is a tick box Mm. exercise. Because as soon as you turn all these things into a tick box exercise and you remove a level of enjoyment, again, I just, I don't really believe these habits could ever be sustainable. Whereas I think if you look at kind of micro changes that over the next 10, 20 years could become the foundations of a healthier life, Mm. that feels like something that we could all get on board with. And it's okay if you don't do it every day and it's okay to... Go on holiday and indulge yourself completely, and not exercise. And it's okay if you're going through a really difficult period of grief or stress, and you you don't have the capacity to do these tools. That doesn't make you a good or a bad person. And I think it's just it just feels like all our conversation about wellness, but about so much of our identities is just very very binary, and we're very yeah, quick to rigid put as well, it's yeah, ourselves. It's, our like it's and either on or it's off. Box.
1: It's either one or zero. It's exactly. like you either. Got good well being, or it's bad, or you like you are being healthy, or you're not. Rather exactly. than actually, geez, it's not even like shades of grey, it's every colour in between, and like each minute looks different, let alone day, let alone person totally. let alone like what's good for one person might be bad for the next. And it's that's that's, I guess,
2: well, and I'm an sure you've seen that in your own life. You know, I know when I started getting interested in well being and looking after my own health, which was to look after a chronic um, health condition that I had, and this was 11 years ago now you know what I needed I was very very ill at that point was completely different to what I need today where in really good health and I was living at home with my parents and you know now I've got two children in a business like your abilities to do certain things obviously massively shift and I think you know for me it's all now kind of five minute increments or 10 minute increments of you know a walk or 10 minutes exercise or five minutes of mindfulness or a 15 minute recipe and that's what fits into my life whereas I'd have infinitely more time before and I definitely went through a phase of thinking oh you know I can't exercise because I don't have an hour anymore to go to a class which is insanity
1: so do you mean like you almost mean like it's you're almost excluding yourself because you're putting it like if I don't do an hour it's not worth doing yeah
2: exactly it's this idea I think it is we're quite quick to to let perfect be the enemy of good you know I don't have time to do it all or I don't have capacity to do it all or I don't know this morning I was like oh I really need a stretch had 10 minutes and I was like, oh, I don't actually have a, an exercise mat, a yoga mat, I've left it at my dad's over Christmas, by mistake. And I was like, oh, I've got a bath mat in the, in our bathroom. And I had my phone propped up against the potty, because <laughs> um, we're potty training <laughs> at the moment. And I was like, this is for me. And like, a, that is what it is. And it's been a mindset shift to be like, that is, I felt so much better 10 minutes later for doing a Some, quick yeah, yoga yeah. with using the potty.
1: I feel like i should be on something of like mums of mums of Instagram <laughs> yes. hashtag mums of Instagram. That should be shouldn't it? But
2: do you know what I mean? And yeah, it's easy to say, oh, I don't. I do. You know, I can't exercise because I don't have half an hour. Or, I can't go to a gym or whatever it is. As opposed to like, yeah. there's Ways always to make it work. It's
1: also changing your mindset around it a little bit. Like I used to, I'm naturally someone who's type A. I, I like to think I'm a high achiever. I, I work hard. I was set like. I want to do this and like come on let's go and do that and and actually it's often to my own detriment and mm. a good example of it is i think oh right, if i don't go to the gym and do a put per- like a really good workout it wasn't worth going and one of the things i've done the last year i changed my almost wording and said success is if i go to the gym just walk in the all. door like yeah. if i walk in the door and go to the gym and actually by the way it doesn't have to be going to the gym it could be going for a walk but around the gym itself i'm like if i go in i've already won everything else is a bonus i've gone to the gym and it's odd how that mindset that subtle change that if i go in and i sit on the bicycle and i do 20 minutes sat on the bicycle it's a success
2: but you know what else i think and it's certainly been kind of journey i've been on as well is that actually to me the biggest success of that is that you're learning to listen to yourself and you're actually connected to yourself which is that we do live in this like hustle harder culture you know like
1: get up at four o'clock in the morning
2: exactly yeah do a mark Wahlberg, get up at 3am and (laughs) you know and it's if that works for you that's that's fine but i think we're always pushing ourselves it's like we've got to make rest productive at this point as opposed to just actually resting or make our hobbies productive as opposed to just make them enjoyable and i think that we're i certainly for me but i think quite a lot of us are actually quite disconnected to like we actually feel yeah, and what our yeah, self-esteem yeah, sure, looks sure. like like are you actually just knackered um in which case you could just do a little stretch you know it's a really and good it's...
1: point even stuff around because again that's probably so different angles yeah, yeah yeah we're all different you know even if we just look at sleep and it's slightly oversimplified but you know people talk about night owls. they talked about the nine to fivers and the yeah. early birds depending on how your brain works in terms of sleep is going to make a monumental difference not just to your exercise but your work your productivity like i know that i am pretty much a nine i'm kind of a nine to five and maybe leaning a bit early my brother is a night owl he is unbelievably productive at 11 o'clock at night if you keep me up till 11 i'm i'm literally like falling asleep standing me too
2: i mean i'm useless (laughs) you can't do anything five o'clock i'm relatively useless i I,
1: I can't but that that means that i i know when i i've learned actually that I know when I'm most productive, when I'm least productive. And, like, I I was talking to Elliot about it, and he was like, oh, you know, in the morning I don't don't have that. But I'm like, Elliot, it's fine, because in the evening you're really productive. Don't fight your own body. Like, work with yourself, not against yourself. Because if you you spend a whole life fighting what your body wants to do, then you're going to be unhappy doing it. You're not going to be as productive, and you're going to feel constantly that you're almost failing to do
2: it. But I think that's, again, part of the challenge as I said like I do you know I do passionately believe like we need different wellness tools whether it's going for a walk or breathing or cooking whatever it is to look after ourselves like we so many of us want to improve our mental and our physical health we do struggle with stress with anxiety with IBS whatever it is and there are small tweaks we could make that might improve that but this, you know, so much of what we're fed, we see through channels like social media, and we just see these tiny, tiny snapshots of what someone else is doing and what works for them. And you know, to your point there about sleep and everything else that happens in our day, I don't know anything about what's happened in your day today. Mm. This idea of like this is what I eat in a day, or this is what I do in a day, flat or this is how I battery exercise, battery mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: still trying to sort my flat battery this morning, but yeah.
2: And I, I, don't know. I just, I don't know. You know, how yeah. did you sleep? Or what other factors mm. have you got going on yeah. in your life? And I just, um, it's all just a little bit one-dimensional. And I don't mean to be depressing about it, because I think it's, it's amazing, you know, to your point. I've been doing this for 11 years and it's, I'm really excited by how much talking about our well-being, removing stigmas, having honest conversations is happening and how much advice is available, you know, how many tools are out there, how accessible it is now to make changes to your well-being. Mm-hmm. But I just think that at the same time, there's this sort of tunnel of I've got to emulate this TikTok person or this Instagram person and I've got to continuously push myself and I've got to change myself and I'm not good enough as I am as opposed to thinking, OK, well, those are my feelings. Probably instead of going to the gym and trying to look like this person, really, I should work on my self-esteem and, you know, maybe you could do some meditation around that or some therapy or whatever it is. And it's like just I guess it's just looking at well-being as a less linear, more fluctuating, more personal, more holistic, view and i think that would help us all start to implement teeny micro changes and 10 years from now we might feel very very differently than the way that we do today
1: i think that's a fantastic way to end part one i have one question just to finish off because we actually di- i knew it would happen because I, I i knew we'd dive straight into all this stuff because i think we share a lot of the same passions and interests in, in in this space is walking is stomping important is getting outside like this is this part of know your life in terms of health do you see it as beneficial
2: yeah it's a massive part for me I'm not just saying that because I'm here and because it's what we're doing getting outside is kind of um it's always been important to me but actually it was when my first daughter Skye who's three and a half when she was born and she did not sleep and I really struggled with postpartum anxiety and kind of really catastrophizing and ruminating thoughts and getting outside We would come out really early sometimes at, you know, 5.30, she was born in the summer, so it's light, obviously, early six in the morning and just walk, sometimes like two or three hours. And it was just, I think it was the first time I'd really connected to the power of it. And now it's just one of those simple things, isn't it? When you've got a busy day or you're struggling to fit in things that look after your well-being, I find it just this kind of simplicity of getting out and walking in it pretty much always has this very, very calming effect.
1: Yeah, I think that is, a, that is exactly the crux, I think, of the benefit of walking. And the other thing, back to what we said earlier on, not I say about being free, but that is true as well. It's something that is hopefully accessible. It is relatively simple to do, even if you just walk for five minutes. You don't have to go and hike a mountain, you know. You can do that if you want to just getting outside and just stretching your legs for five minutes is just such a good feeling
2: it's such a good feeling
1: and thank you for joining me on the stomp cast guys well done we've done part one we have got so much to talk about so join us for part two whether that's right now on your stomp or whether that's going to be well whenever you're outdoors next
0: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well